Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Matthew chapter number 6, if you have your Bibles, just open them to uh, Matthew this morning. I'm going to read verse number 19. Uh, We read these passages last week, but I want to just read them one more time, if you will, today. Thank you, Bishop. Amen. He's a man of multiple things. There we go. Amen. Now you can see where we're at. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break through and steal But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Again, this is part three of a series we've had the past few weeks, The Treasure Principle. And as I've said each week, because I don't want to take uh, ownership and for everything that I've spoken here today, this is based upon a book by Randy Alcorn who has written a tremendous book along these lines and a lot of what we've shared over the past three weeks is derived from that book and so I want that to be known because I don't want you to think that's all just attributed to me, okay? Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer today that he would help our hearts and minds. Amen. To this lesson today. Father, I come to you this morning. I'm thankful God again. God for being here. God, your people, Lord, that are here. God, I pray, Jesus, this morning that you would help us, God, to be mindful, Lord, of you, Jesus, in this place. Give us, Lord Jesus, understanding. Give us wisdom, Lord. Give us direction. I pray, O Lord, today, God, that you're able to help us, Lord Jesus, this morning as we look at your word. Let your word, Lord Jesus, God, teach us. Let your word, Lord, instruct us. I pray, O Lord, today, God, will give you, Lord Jesus, the praise and the glory, God, for what you accomplish, Lord Jesus, in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen and amen. Everyone say amen. You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. The treasure principle. We've learned over the past three weeks that the treasure principle is, uh, in essence, this. You cannot take it with you. Uh, Speaking of our monetary goods and our possessions, we cannot take it with us, but we can send it on ahead of us. We can invest in those things that are eternal and by virtue send it on ahead of us. Some of the keys to the principle that we have already seen over the past few weeks are these. Number one, God owns everything. Anybody in agreement with that? God owns everything and that we are, uh, in essence, his money managers or his stewards. Uh, We have have, uh, management of his assets. And so since he owns everything, that's that's quite a responsibility, amen, to have. And uh, we do what we will uh, with his assets according to what he wants done with them. And so we follow suit with that. And number two was my heart always goes where I put God's money. Uh, Verse number 21 of Matthew 6 that we read in our scripture reading today said that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. And the common thing that we've made mention of is we could look through individual statements or checkbooks this morning and we could get a pretty good handle about uh, where our hearts are, about where we spend or invest our money. Number three Heaven, not earth, is our home. And that really affects how we manage God's money. Amen. If we think that life is just all about what happens here, but you have no consideration of an afterlife, 
where you'll spend most of your time. Uh, the Bible says that it's attributed to man to have about 70 years upon this earth. So if you live past 70, you're, you're really getting a bonus uh, about living here upon this earth. But uh, it, this earth is not our home. The Bible speaks about us in certain terms as pilgrims and strangers, uh, not as dwellers or this being a place of permanence. Uh, the sad reality is every day that we live, we're dying. Every day we live, we are dying. And it doesn't but take uh, going by a funeral home of a loved one that has passed to bring the reality of how short life is really upon this earth and that nothing that we have here uh, we're going to be able to take with us uh, is the real reality. You'll leave the farm, you'll leave the house, you'll leave the cars, you'll leave all your earthly possessions. They're not going with you. But you can, through virtue of giving, amen, send them on ahead of you as the treasure principle uh, says. Number four, I should not live for the dot but for the line. And uh, the, all, the book considered our life here upon the earth being the dot. The dot is very... Uh, it's very finite. It's kind of, you know, it has, it has an extent. It's just boom, there it is. It's there for a moment and then it's over. But the lines extending out from there goes on for all eternity. There's not a certain segment of years that is attributed to that. And so we need to invest not in the dot mentality, but in the line mentality of that which is going to last forever. Number five, giving is the only antidote to materialism or just to amassing treasures and amassing possessions just simply for the purpose of amassing them. The antidote to that, the cure to that is giving. Martin Luther stated these words. He says, I've held many things in my hands. And he says, and I have lost them all. He said, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Uh, throughout these lessons, uh, we may have been telling ourselves, you know what, Pastor McGee's been talking about this idea or a concept of giving, but I just really don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I just don't know where to begin. And I would say this morning that a good place to begin is where God had the Old Testament children of Israel to begin. Uh, the Bible says in Leviticus 27 and 30, he says, and all the tithe of the land whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. It is holy unto the Lord. Now, the meaning of the word tithe is simply this, a tenth part. Tithe means a tenth part. And also in Scripture, the Bible speaks of free will offerings as well. But the tithe, the tenth part, or if you will, the ten percent, uh, was what was required by the Lord of the children of Israel. And so, in essence, uh, if we look at Scripture, we return our tithe and we give our offerings because our tithe belongs unto the Lord. Proverbs chapter number 3, the Bible states these words. It says, Honor the Lord with thy substance. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase. So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Now, how many would agree there are a variety of ways to honor the Lord? A variety of ways to honor the Lord. We can honor him with our life, our lifestyle. We can honor the Lord with our conversation. We can honor the Lord with our time. We can honor the Lord. But here in Proverbs, it says that another way that we can honor the Lord 
can and might I say even should honor the Lord is to honor the Lord with our substance, particularly the first fruits of all, everybody say all, all our increase. Notice, God is first and not last on our giving list. Uh, whenever I made out my Christmas list this year, he was at the top. Amen, of who I needed to give and purchase for. Uh, God was at the first. Notice verse number 10, if you will, up there. Verse 10 is the result of verse number 9. Verse number 10 is the result of verse number 9. He said in verse 10, So shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses shall burst out with new wine. That's the result of verse number 9. Because in verse number 9, we honored the Lord with our substance. And we gave of the first fruits of our increase. As a result of that, amen, came the blessing of giving, if you will. Our barns are going to be filled with plenty. And in essence, if I say plenty, plenty, it's enough. Your barns will be filled with enough. What you have will suffice. Right. We'll be able to get you through whenever you give unto the Lord and honor the Lord with your substance. Now, uh, again, this is week number three in a series that we're in, so I don't want anybody to just come here today and say, well, that preacher there, he's picking the Sunday right before uh, Christmas to talk about giving. What type of person is he? This is just a series that we've been in, and this is a season of giving, so I just deemed it uh, important that we talk about giving here in the closure of the year. We have all been, been benefited by uh, the God of heaven robing himself in flesh and coming by virtue of a child called Jesus that we're celebrating this for. And so we're looking at this idea of giving. So I don't have no axes to grind this morning. Malachi chapter number three and verse number eight, the Bible says, will a man rob God? Now that seems just horrendous. Will a man rob God? The question asks, yet ye have robbed me, he says. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. He says, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Now, first of all, I don't want to be, I don't want to stand in the grouping of having robbed God. And, and another fact, I don't want to be cursed with a curse because I have. I'm not interested in the curse business, all right? <laughs> I don't want to take a curse upon my life if I can prevent it from happening. All right. He said, for you brought me even this whole nation. Verse number 10, bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. Now, this next statement is going to be a pretty bold statement, but I think we can handle it. According to these verses, can you handle it? Everybody say, handle it. Handle it. <laughs> All right. According to these verses, non-givers are robbers. Amen. And cursed in the eyes of God. Notice, it isn't just that they had robbed God, the Bible said in verse number nine, if I can go back there. He says, ye are cursed with a curse for ye have robbed me. Look, even this whole nation. In other words, the lack of giving of the people or the non-existent giving of the people didn't just impact them robbing God, but it impacted the whole nation that they were a part of. It imp impacted the grouping of people that they belonged to. And God asked them, he says, I tell you what, why don't you prove me? He says, put me to test, prove me. Bring your tithes, bring your offerings into the storehouse, prove me. In other words, 
Maybe you've been thinking about this and saying, this is an impossibility, I can't do this, so on and so forth. He says, try it. I mean, this is the best salesman in the world right here. Say, giving it a try, 90 days, no obligations. <laughs> if you don't like at the end, you've not really lost a whole lot. You can just quit doing what you've never done anyway. He says, but prove me. Try it and bring it on to the storehouse. And look, look what the reaction, he says, will be. He says, I will open the windows of heaven and I will pour out a blessing. And we're not talking about something just... Uh, minuscule here the Bible says there will not the blessing that he'll pour out and that doesn't necessarily mean money that could be health this could be a lot of things this could be dysfunctional relationships you have that are getting healed in your families he says there will not be room enough to receive the blessing that you receive from God and for that matter let me just throw this out here anybody that might be latching on to it that blessing may not be in this world it could very well be in the world to come Amen. And so I don't want anybody to uh, start giving their tithes. Oh, bless God, that preacher said the Lord opened up the windows of heaven and a blessing would come and I'm just still an awful mess. It isn't all about in this life. It's in the life to come. I'm telling you what, I, I have no problems inheriting heaven someday where there's streets of gold, gates of pearl, walls of jasper. That's more riches than I've ever accumulated in this life, I guarantee you. Amen. And so it doesn't necessarily mean this life, but it can also mean the life to come. Now, there is a segment of society today, uh, of our world, even religious world for that matter, that says there's no mentioning of this idea of the tithe or the 10% or the 10 part in the New Testament. Amen. Yet the following verse of Scripture, I believe, and others prove differently. A lot of people say, well, we don't tithe today because that's an Old Testament, that's an Old Testament thing. Tithing is Old Testament thing. That's not a New Testament thing. We're children of grace, so on and so forth. So that doesn't apply to us, does it? Amen. The Bible says in Matthew 23 and verse 23, Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And I'm going to draw something out of this scripture. He's speaking to the Pharisees in such a way they're, they're, doing so, they're, they're not doing something they should do, Okay. So it has a little negative context here, but I want to pull out something positive from the scripture. In Matthew 23, 23, the Bible says, woe unto you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you pay, now listen now, this is New Testament scripture. He says, for ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin and have omitted the weightier matters of the law judgment mercy and faith he says these speaking of the law judgment mercy and faith these ought ye to have done but look now and not to leave the other what the tithing of the mint the anise and the cumin undone we see a similar scripture in luke eleven forty two. the phrase is this that they tithed of mint and rue and the bible says all manner of herbs and these things of, of mint and anise and cumin, all these were herbs. And I don't know if you ever got any herbs from the store or got any spice from the store in a little cylinder bottle, you know, a little cumin. It's very small. The actual herb itself is very small. But the Pharisees were given a tenth part of the herbs that came from the field, and it seemed a little small, and for that matter, it seems of very little value. But they understood the Lord God had said of the fruit of the ground, of the livestock, they were to tithe of all. 
And so this very thing that seemed very small, they were tithing of. And the, the Pharisees were very, very diligent about t- paying the tithe of this smallest plan of mint and anise and cumin. But they had omitted the weightier matters, the scripture calls it, of law and judgment and mercy in face. But I think it's important that Jesus doesn't tell them that they should have done these other things instead of. He didn't say you should have done these things instead of tithing that stuff. No, he says you should have done these things along with. In addition to tithing these things. In other words, he plainly says, don't leave the other, or if you will, don't leave paying the tithe undone. So for one, yes, I believe tithing is in the New Testament scripture. Christ, this is not Mark, Luke, or some apostle or disciple saying this. This is Christ saying this. Don't leave it undone. Amen. Don't leave it undone. And here's the reason why, folks. Our Christian walk needs balance. Hear me. Our Christian walk needs balance. We need to focus on a law, and we need to focus on judgment, and we need to focus on mercy, but it's not that we focus on some of these things to not focusing on other things in our Christian walk. Our Christian walk must have balance. We cannot neglect one because of the other. We must be a well-balanced Christian, and that includes tithings and offerings and love and mercy and judgment and all these different things together brings that balance that we must have, amen, in our walk with God. Amen. Now, there, is not, there doesn't seem to be abundance of scriptures in the New Testament that mention tithe beyond these particular ones. But there are several New Testament scriptures that do reference giving. You see the idea or the concept of giving throughout the New Testament scriptures. And I want you to read the New Testament sometime and take note of where it speaks of giving. And almost every New Testament example of giving goes above and beyond the tithe. Without fail. And without falling short. You remember, whenever we come to the New Testament, it seems like our Lord and Savior raises the bar to a certain level, a bar of expectation. Because we read even the New Testament scripture, he says now, in the Old Testament, thou shalt not commit adultery. He raises the expectation and the bar, and he says, now whosoever looks upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her in his heart. He raises the bar. He raises the expectation. He says in the Old Testament, thou shalt not kill. He tells us in the New Testament that if a person, if a brother hates his other brother, amen, that he's a murderer. Amen? So there seems to be a raising, if you will, of the bar. I go to this, and earlier in the year, probably in April, I probably taught a segment of this, but I believe this is vitally important in understanding that this just isn't an Old Testament thing, all right? The Bible speaks to us concerning Abraham, Amen. That Abraham gave tithes of all unto someone by the name of Melchizedek, which was a high priest. Abraham gave tithes of all. This is before we have a lot of laws or anything concerning giving tithes. But Abraham, before that was ever in recording or ever scripted down, he gave tithes of all unto Melchizedek. The Bible says, if I can run to the New Testament scripture of Hebrews chapter number 6 and verse 20, The Bible says, whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. 
Melchizedek. And we see this phrase used in the book of Hebrews over and over again. Jesus made a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And so with that in mind, the order of Melchizedek's priesthood, the scripture tells us, will last forever. It's an eternal priesthood. According to Hebrews 7.3, the Bible says that Melchizedek's order of priesthood was one that abideth a priest continually. Abideth a priest continually. And the reason why this is different is because this is a contrast to like the Levitical priesthood. It's a contrast to the priesthood of Aaron and his sons of the Old Testament because all of these were just temporary priesthoods that came upon the world and passed away from the world. Sooner or later, they dissipated, but not the order of Melchizedek. It's a priesthood that abideth continually. It was an eternal priesthood. And so whenever Abraham gave tithes of all, amen, not necessarily unto Melchizedek the man, but he gave them unto God through Melchizedek. Melchizedek's the high priest. So in order for your money to go or be accounted to the Lord, they would give it to the high priest. He was just a piece of conduit. He was just a man. But they gave it to him so that it might, if you will, reach into the heavenlies. He gave it unto God through Melchizedek, which Melchizedek represented then an eternal order. It was a priesthood that would abide forever. Everybody say forever. And so since Abraham gave unto not a temporal priesthood, but a eternal priesthood, tithing then, ladies and gentlemen, tithing, he gave tithes of all to Melchizedek, which is a priesthood that abided forever, it's eternal. Tithing then is a eternal practice. Someone with me right now. Tithing is a eternal practice, not just to be kept regulated by the Old Testament, as some would keep it, but even continuing today. Amen, it's eternal practice because it was given to the order of an eternal priesthood which the Bible told us Jesus was made a high priest, amen, forever after the order, the eternal order of Melchizedek. Everyone say amen. 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 Gave tithes of all. And so Abraham understood the principle even back then. He knew God to be the creator, the possessor of heaven and earth and that everything that Abraham himself received came from God. And so if God gave Abraham what he had and God delivered Abraham from his enemies and Abraham had received of God, therefore he gave tithes of all unto God through an eternal order of priesthood, amen, Melchizedek, that even Jesus Christ, amen, would become the high priest of, amen, forever. Amen. When we talk about tithing, I know we're talking about tithing, we're talking about giving, but tithing should not be considered the stopping place for giving. It's the starting place for giving. Remember, beyond the tithe was the free will offering. Yet according to Malachi, we can be square on our tithe and still rob God or neglect him in our offerings. Someone say amen. amen. Y'all got nuts and bolts tightening up on me here today. Y'all real quiet. Our giving, what we give as individuals, our giving is not one giving more than the other. Our giving is proportionally the same. A tenth of your income 
and a tenth of my income, that's still a tenth of our incomes. It's proportionally the same. Do you understand? Proportionally the same. That tenth or that tithe is just a tenth part, whether that tenth is a tenth part of $100 or a tenth part of $1,000. It's still a tenth. It's proportionally the same. Or could I say it like this? It's equal sacrifice. It's equal sacrifice, if you will, for the poor, for the rich. It's equal sacrifice. It's still a tenth of your earnings. And free will offerings should be proportionally as well. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 16 and verse number 10, And thou shalt keep the feast of weeks unto the Lord thy God with a tribute of a free will offering of thine hand, which thou shalt give unto the Lord thy God. Look now. According, everybody say according. according. According as the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. In verse 17, the phrase is similar. Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessing of the Lord thy God which he hath given thee. And so whenever they came to the tabernacle, they would give freewill offerings in proportion to how the Lord hath blessed them. So I ask us today, how has the Lord blessed us? How has the Lord blessed us? So we should give and reciprocate in that the way that the Lord hath blessed us. Now, Randy Alcorn in his book states this in the paragraph. Randy says, he says, some say, we'll take this gradually. We're starting with 5%. He said, but that's like saying, I used to rob six convenience stores a year. This year, by his grace, I'm going to rob only three. The point is not to rob God less. It's not to rob God at all. The old saying used to be, God doesn't look at just what we give, but he looks at what we keep. The scripture of Haggai, chapter number 1 and verse number 9, states these words. He says, You looked for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why? Saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house, God's house, that is waste. And you run every man into his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you is stayed from dew. And the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land and upon the mountains and upon the corn and upon the new wine and upon the oil and upon that which the ground bringeth forth and upon men and upon cattle and upon all the labor of the hands. He says, you looked for much, but as you did some searching and looking, it came to little. And the reason why this is is because my house you weren't attending to anything that concerned me and my house and whenever that happened he said the windows of heaven have problems opening up on your life and there's no dew or rain for your your your, your grain that's planted out in the field and, and there's there's no there's no wine and there's no oil that's there in your coffers because you didn't attend to me I can't open up the windows of heaven and attend and bless you where you have not room to contain it like I would like to. There's a vicious cycle that goes with giving. Many people say they can't afford to give. Sometimes you can't afford to give because you're not giving. 
I didn't realize it was going to be this hard on lesson number three that we've been in along this week, but it is. If we pay our debt to God first, perhaps then he'll incur the blessing on our life to be able to pay our debts to men. Amen. But when we rob God to pay men, we rob ourselves of God's blessing. Amen. I can plow. It's a vicious cycle, and it takes faith to break such a cycle. It takes faith to trust God with what's his anyway to break such a cycle. There's people said in this audience that they could give up and give testimony. It takes faith. I can give you testimony. Let me tell you something. This is not no some big fool up here that's telling you something that don't know anything about what I'm talking about today. I know we got a group of people that may not know me, but listen to me. And I, I, I'll t- I'm going to tell an old story just for somebody that might not be involved. Whenever I evangelized, we evangelized, my wife and I did, we were at the, uh, we were at the mercies of the churches that we evangelized to. Uh, you got paid sometimes with uh, money, sometimes you got a meal, <laughs> sometimes it was just whatever. And whenever we evangelized, this is just one story that just sticks out in my mind. And I just tell you, you just got to have faith. You got to just put faith in God. We were, I could tell several, so we could have story hour here concerning this aspect uh, with us for a while. But you just got to have faith in God. We we're out on the road, so you just get whatever you get, and you deal with whatever you got, and uh, you know try to get from place to place. Uh, there was one particular time. This is just once on my mind. I remember we were home just for a couple of weeks. We were home for a couple of weeks, and whenever an evangelist is home, there's no money coming in. All right, uh, you're you're not preaching, not doing all that. There's no money coming in, and uh, we had uh, to the amount of over six hundred dollars worth of bills laying on our table when we was about ready to leave home. I didn't have the money, Sister Helen Burbrick. I didn't have the money to pay any of it. I did not have the money. I've been sitting at home for two weeks. In that time, though, let me tell you what we do. We still always paid our tithes first, and we gave our offerings. Amen. I left. We left. We were going to uh, a camp meeting, and uh, as we were going to that camp meeting, someone happened to slip in my hand a $100 bill. Now, a $100 bill is only a sixth of what I need, what's on my table back at home. We go to this camp meeting. They're talking about a need on the campgrounds. They're going to take up an offering. Do you know what this fool here does? Takes the $100 I gave to me and I gave it to the need. I, that means I still have $600 worth of bills at home with not $600 to pay the bills. We go then to our next revival. First time we'd ever been to this place in the entirety of my life. Never been there before. I have no expectations. I don't know if we're going to get a bag of groceries and some fruit basket in order to pay for the gas that goes. It's hard to just, you know, take fruit and get it down to gas to go in your vehicle. But we went. We was there just for one, two services. There for two services. And God granted us enough money to pay for all the bills and have enough gas to get to our next place. We were in Florida one time, again, going to preach for a place. Never preached for, first time ever been to Florida for preaching. It was during the winter time. Went there, and we paid quarterly taxes back then. In that time, we had $600 of taxes, quarterly taxes that need to be paid. We did not have that money. We did not have it. And let me tell you, the government's not too happy when you don't have their money. $600. We go to this place. Again, I've never preached there before. It was, it was just a few days before. Mom and dad probably remember. They, we sent stuff back home to, for them to take care of our bills. We went and we, we went, went to this revival. You know how much money we got from there? Exactly. Exactly. $600. The next day, I put it in the mail to pay my taxes. You know where my wife and I was supposed to go the next day? And this was just a blessing from the church. We was going to Walt Disney World. 
because they had gave us free tickets, free, mind you. I didn't pay anything for them. Went there. We couldn't even eat at Walt Disney World. Didn't eat. I didn't put anything on a credit card to eat. We spent all day there, didn't eat nothing, but my bills were paid. And God still received his tithe and still received his offer. You know what? I'm standing here today, and I, my head's not bowed down. I'm like saying, oh, bless God, poor me. No, no, not poor me. Because whenever you take care of what's God's, God will take care of what's yours. Time and time again. Early on, I, it's story time. It's, I'm trying to build somebody's faith today. Story time, where we first started evangelizing, we were going to preach a youth camp down in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Again, we had been home for quite some time. And when that happens, the bills start to amount on the table. Prior to going to that camp meeting, down in Hot Spring, Arkansas. We had a little local camp meeting around here at the Tri-State Camp, Brother Wheeler, Clement, and all of them that were together. We went to that camp meeting. I seen a pastor there that I had preached for probably about four to six months back. And he came to me at that camp with me having excess amount of bills on my table at home and needing to get all the way to Hot Springs, Arkansas, the gas and the food, whatever is required. And there was a pastor there that I had preached for four or six months ago. He said, Brother, Brother McGee, I have a check in my pocket. He said, I've been meaning to get this to you. I just keep forgetting. He said, a lady in my church wrote this check when you were in revival with us four to six months ago. Her husband has died since then, and she wanted to give you a check in the amount of $1,000. That check was written four to six months ago when we preached for him, but it came into my life the exact moment that I needed it. Someone hear me right now. Exactly when I needed it. Brother Fred, it got us down to Hot Springs. And as the story goes, before that week was over, 35 people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. If you take care of God, God will take care of you. Is anybody's faith getting built right now? You understand, I'm not just some Joe up here that's some prosperity preacher that you hear on TV and everything. This is not this man right here. I'm not speaking, I don't have a vacation home in Florida or one down in Alabama or one across seas. I got a nice little home that's just a little over 1,000 square feet. I drive a car that has 250 miles on it. I'm not talking about prosperity. I'm talking about honoring God with your substance and he'll make sure your barns have plenty. Enough. I am not trying to line these pockets, folks. I guarantee you that. Look at my wallet right now and you will find nothing but receipts, not money. Part of those are church receipts. Somebody hearing me? Bishop, I could have tried to pay for those bills whatever way I could and held back tithe and offering and they'd still be laying on my table. I couldn't afford to give, Brother Fred. You can't afford not to give. And sometimes we can't afford to give because we're not giving. Give by faith and watch God do what he does best. And that's perform miracles, do signs, and make provision where there seems to be no way. Because whenever that happens, you can't say, well, I worked the job and I found a way. No, God did it, God did it, God did it, God did it. I don't know where the money came from. It doesn't add up on paper. It's all God. Well, it all belongs to God. Don't you think he can take care of it? He can. He can. Remember those Macedonian believers in 2 Corinthians 8, verse number 3. They said, for to their power 
The apostle Paul said, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. The Amplified Bible states it like this. It says, for as I can bear witness, they gave the Macedonians that were under affliction, that were overburdened with affliction, they gave according to their ability. Yes, look what he says, and beyond their ability. And they did it voluntarily. They did it willingly. They gave beyond their ability. What is that? Sometimes that's pushing our giving past the point where the figures add up, where the bottom line, I've done it, folks. I've sat down with what needed to go out, with what I had, and come to the bottom. And there somehow, I don't know how it happened, it didn't add up on paper, but everything got paid, but I wasn't supposed to have enough money. I don't know. Math doesn't, math doesn't explain that. Only the God variable in the math explains that. Try him. Prove him. See if he won't open up the windows of heaven. This is not my story, but this is Scott Lewis's story. Scott Lewis attended a conference where Bill Bright challenged people to give $1 million. Yeah. To help fulfill the Great Commission. This amount was laughable to Scott. Far beyond anything he could imagine since his machinery business that he had was generating an income of under $50,000 a year, Brother Fred. So you soon give a million dollars and my business is only generating a little under $50,000 a year. And so Bill asked, he said, how much did you give last year? Scott felt pretty good about his answer. He said, we gave $17,000, about 35% of our income through our machinery business last year. Without blinking an eye, Bill responded. He says, over the next year, why don't you make a goal of giving $50,000? Scott thought that maybe Bill didn't quite understand what he said. That was more than I made all year last year. But Scott and his wife decided to trust God with Bill's challenge of asking him to do the impossible. And God provided for Scott and his wife in amazing ways. With a miraculous December the 31st provision, Brother Fred, the Lewis family were able to give $50,000 that year the next year they set the goal of giving to $100,000 and again God provided and they were able to give $100,000 Scott wrote Randy Alcorn the, 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 the author of the book The Treasure Principle and said a note and he noted Scott wrote a note saying that in 2001 he said, he said Randy he said we've passed the $1 million giving amount that we were challenged by Bill Bright so many years ago I know that sounds far-reaching today. But if you've trusted him with 200 this year, why don't you set a goal for 300 next year? I told you before that God entrusts us with his assets and with his money if he knows that we'll manage it appropriately. People that manage accounts of huge assets manage accounts like that because somewhere along the way they had a person with smaller assets and did diligently with the small assets and then they knew they could be entrusted with bigger assets someone hear me right now 
God can bless us with more, even monetarily more, if He knows that our bidding and our managing will be true to what He desires us to do. Amen. Amen. Pastor McGee, should I give now or later? Give now. Give today. Give now. I mean, what, what kind of trust does it really part comes into play when it comes to part with your money when you're dead? <laughs> Amen? We don't have a choice then. Death isn't our best opportunity to give. You say, well, we're going to, put, we're going to be put in the church in our will. That's great. That's tremendous. But why not give now? Because whenever you die, that's the end of your opportunity to give. 2 Corinthians chapter number 9. <clears throat> the Bible states these words. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Being enriched in everything to a bountifulness which causeth through us thanksgiving to God. Now I want to, if you will, allow me again to read this out. The Amplified, the Bible says, And God who provides seed for the sower and bread for the eating will also provide and multiply your resources for sowing and increase the fruits of your righteousness, which manifests itself in active goodness, kindness, and charity. Thus, you will be enriched in all things in every way so that you look so that you can be generous. And your generosity as it is administered by us will bring forth thanksgiving to God. The writer is saying, God gives seed to the sower to sow the field and get bread and such. God gives these things and He increases the fruits of your righteousness. He gives you the seed and He increases what you have when you sow the seed. And the reason for all that comes down to verse number 11. So that you, listen, so that your increase that you get with that seed that He gave you, so that you can what? Get more possession? No. But so that you can be generous. So you can be generous. Life says this. Life says get all you can can all you get and sit on the can. Get all you can, can all you get and sit on the can. But according to God's economy, you get all you can so you can give nearly all you get. That brings me to the last treasure principle key of this series and that is God prospers me, us, not to raise my standard of living but to raise my standard of giving. God prospers me to raise my standard of giving. And it also helps your standard of living. But I don't think that we should be some hoarder that we just let it benefit our living without benefit our giving. And I'm telling you, this is just a common practice uh, that I think is a good practice. I think it's a biblical practice here according to the Scriptures. But if by some virtue in my life that I received a raise or increase in my pay, which I've worked secular work, I work church work now, but if I received increase in secular pay, meaning a raise, I didn't just let that increase my standard of living, I let it increase my standard of giving. 
if God increased my pay, not just because it was going to be a part of my tenth of my tithe now, you understand what I'm saying? Well, I made, you know, they, I used to, I made $100 last year, so that was $10 a tithe. This year I made $200, so uh, $20. I'm not talking about just by virtue of that. I'm talking about through free will gift. If God increased me, I was going to increase my giving because he gave me this for some reason, for more than just me. He must gave this because somebody else, he was trusting me to be a conduit for somebody else's life, a missionary or a home missionary or understand. So in 2 Corinthians 4, the Bible speaks about this idea of equality. It speaks about that there was equality. Amen. But the equality that is spoken of in Scripture wasn't because there was a distribution of equal amounts of money to every individual. That's not the reason why there was equality. For that matter, we see in Scripture that there were some that were given more and there were others that were given less. You know how the equality happened? It's because those who had been given more gave to those who lacked. And whenever they gave of their abundance and surplus to those who lacked, it brought everybody up to a level of equality. Equality came about not because there was equal distribution, but because there was people that caught the vision of giving. Amen. People caught the vision of giving. Amen. It was the shifting of the distribution of what was given. And so when those with too much gave to those with too little, there were two problems solved. Amen. Now, I know today someone would have a hard time saying, you know what, I just got too much money. I just got too much money. I don't know what I'm going to do with this. I just got too much money. I know we may not say that, amen, but there are people today that probably has uh, surplus, if you might say, amen, but whenever there's people that lack and you give of that to those who are in need, then there are two problems solved. But whenever we fail to do, do that, there's two problems that are still perpetuated, amen. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter number 8, and verse number 9, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though, look now, uh-huh, Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. The great God of glory who owns all things came in the humble instrument of a child called Jesus that we celebrate around this time. Not born in the palace, but born in a manger. Not born to the kings and the priests of his day, but born to, up to this time, a pretty obsolete and unknown man and woman. Why? <laughs> to raise your standard of life. I'm not talking about just this life, but life eternal. Through his giving the benefit that it had for somebody else. Timeless and eternal. And so likewise, we see then this, or should I say this richest person in the world or in the universe became the poorest. He took, and I say this very, very cautiously, but he took the hell that we deserved to give us the heaven we don't deserve. And again, it's proven even through that that we can never outgive God. In Romans 12 today, and if you'll stand with me this morning, I'll hasten to a close. But in Romans 12, there is a listing of what's called spiritual gifts. There's some listing of spiritual gifts. Some of them are prophecy, another is ministry, another is teaching, another is exhortation, another one of those spiritual gifts that's listed there 
Look at this. In Romans 12, is giving. Giving. A spiritual gift. Now, we've heard, oh, I remember, I remember sister so-and-so. She was a prayer warrior. We smile, yeah. I remember her. She was a, she was a prayer warrior. Or brother so-and-so years ago, man, he was a dynamic preacher or a dynamic teacher. Let me ask you a question. How about the giving warriors? How about the dynamic givers? And there are those. And it is, we are commanded in that in Scripture to give, but I believe sometimes even on some people there is a spiritual gift of giving that comes that God places a person in a place and has such a burden on them to be a giver that they enrich the lives of people, ministries, perpetuating this gospel to other places by virtue of their giving. And I close this morning with this. Again, the treasure principle, here it is. You can't take it with you. Look at your neighbor and tell him you can't take it with you. But you can send it on ahead. You can send it on ahead. And the six keys again this morning are these. There will not be a lesson number four to this and somebody saying, thank you, Jesus. But this isn't the last time I talk about this in my lifetime, all right, before anybody gets anxious. Matter of fact, I just talked along the lines of giving in April. Amen, and here we are again in December. God owns everything. I'm his money manager. My heart always goes where I put God's money. Heaven, not earth, is my home. I should live not for the dot, that's just the here and now, but for the line, the there and then that lasts for eternity. Giving is the only antidote to materialism. Let me tell you something. It's not like we can do this, but uh, the person who has attributed to his name no, the Nobel Peace Prize that's given, Nobel. Nobel had a brother. He awoke in the morning and read the newspaper and there was an obituary written. His brother had died, but they had thought it was he who died. And the obituary was written for Nobel. Nobel was notable for making dynamite. He was the mastermind behind dynamite. And so whenever he read his own obituary, they kind of were hard on him. Here he is, what they supposed was a dead man. The man who took lives with his dynamite is now dead. And he's reading his own obituary. And that did something to him, Bishop, to see that his life was cast in that type of light if he were dead. And he made it a pact right then that he's not going to be remembered as that. And so he changed everything, this idea of a Nobel Peace Prize for those that have some type of scientific breakthrough for the purpose of helping humanity. He left like some 3 million, 3 billion, 300 million, 300 billion, I don't remember the amount of money for the purpose of the Nobel Peace Prize that is still given away today for people that break through through science. But he was able to do that because he was able to look at what people considered his life was after he was supposedly dead. And he could see if he had any regrets. Let me ask you a question. If, five, if you could five minutes after you die and there were any regrets, what would you change? Would you keep more or would you give more of it away? Giving's the only antidote to materialism. God prospers, number six, God prospers me not to raise my standard of living, but to raise my standard of giving. We embow our heads this morning, Bishop. Thank you for listening. 
If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.